Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba. How are you today, guys? Hope you're all well. And we're back for another week's show. I'm joined by my colleague as ever, Meat Man Soccer, Steve Wiss. How are you this fine day, Steve? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thanks, Jonathan. Hope things are, uh, are well down your end. Uh, getting into into the middle of December and we're uh, we're still playing matches up in uh, Norway and Sweden. It kind of feels a bit weird, doesn't it? But uh, this is the situation we're in this year. Yep. Is your, you got your stockings filled? Are you ready for, for the Christmas season? Tree. I'm hoping to get, you know, a few steaks for as presents, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, my tree's up. Uh, got the stockings out for the family out in the. You don't, uh, you don't put steaks under the tree, do you? As a gift. <laughs> well, not yet. <laughs> um, you know, let's just say in our house that instead of leaving a carrot out for the reindeer. <laughs> something uh, else will be left out pork scratchings or something that <laughs> would be a sort of sirloin steak under the, under the chimney. fair enough fair enough good to hear good to get some insight into the meat man soccer world of uh, the festive season um we're going to start this week in norway because it's been some huge results and we've had a midweek round as well so it's a double round since you last joined us um and thank you to everyone who listened to the last show and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kick things off in Norway. The season has ended in Sweden this past week, which we'll get to in part two, and we'll also discuss the playoffs and transfers and early movements. But uh, for now, the only place to start really is Molder. What a result they are through to the Europa League knockout stages. Um, they've managed to get a result at Rapid Vienna. That's a pretty big achievement, isn't it, Steve? It is, and um, I, I followed. I watched the whole of the second half. I didn't watch didn't watch the first half because I was keeping my eye on uh, matches in in Norway. And then at half time, actually, was watching a bit of BT Sport online, and incredibly, their their feed on their website um, was four minutes behind real time. And I thought, sod this! I'm not I'm not, I'm not watching something four minutes behind. So I found another st- uh, stream for it, but. Um, you know, second half, they, they, they scored in the second. It was one all half time. They scored very early, 20 seconds into the second half, actually. And they managed to hold on uh, right until the death. Um, by that stage, Rapid Vienna needed to win uh, by, by a two-goal margin to qualify due to the head-to-head thing. Um, but I thought Molder were good value for the result uh, in Vienna. Certainly, um, they, 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 they weren't just parking the bus or anything. They were looking for an outlet to score a third goal. And yeah, Vienna got an equaliser late, but um, it was too late, too little, too late for the uh, Austrian outfit. And uh, over the course of this group stage, I definitely feel Molder deserved qualification. I was I was dead impressed with how they performed. Even in the Arsenal games, they gave a good account of themselves for the first halves. Yeah, fantastic achievement. Uh, two goals from Magnus Wolf Eichrim to to help them get that result. And yeah, that season finished second in the group behind Arsenal, who won it, who won every game, in fact, um, which is which is a fair effort from Arsenal. I mean, you know, are you are you surprised that they've finished second in the group? Did you expect it? Or, you know, is this a bit of a turn up? How do you think this will be received in in Norway? Um, they're not the most popular side in Norway, as you know. Um, but I mean, from a more neutral perspective, I'll, I'll say fair play to them. I think it's got to be it, for me. It has to be encouraging that a Norwegian side can qualify from a group. Yeah, the last side to do it were Mulder, I do believe, uh, about three or four years ago. And I, th- I can't remember who they got knocked out by in the last 16. It was comprehensively, um, they were beating over two legs. But 
it's encouraging. I said at the start of this group stage, they had a chance because, but they had to beat Dundalk twice and they had to get the result against Vienna. Um, and, and at the same time, we had to hope that Arsenal did their job and, and, and pretty much win every game. And, you know, uh, Mikel Arteta might be under pressure domestically, but he's uh, he's done well in this group as, as we expected them to do. So things just kind of fell their way, but they played good football, Jonathan. To, to do this and uh i certainly the two matches against vienna definitely they really battered them at home it should be more than one nil and they've gone to vienna there knowing that if they lost one nil or lost by two goals or more they're out they went there with a positive mindset they weren't trying to just hold on and they've been in great form recently both domestically and in europe it's been it's been a really good rebound in the last third of the season do you think they can sort of uh take this european success i mean if we look at the financials of this qualifying alone gives them an extra million euros now in the coffers, um, 500,000 for getting out of the group and 500,000 just for being in the knockout rounds. That's the minimum, you know, depending on how they, how far they go, but uh, an extra million in the coffers. Do you think they can use that and this, this momentum to, to maybe challenge Glimp next season? What, what's the lookout for, for Mulder, you know, looking um, towards the end of this season and maybe in the longer term, maybe next season? Yeah, remember for every win win you get in the group stage, I think you get uh, four hundred thousand uh, euros, I think, or something like that. So they would have probably made about a million in prize money just from the group bit itself, anyway. Um, Mulder always been well in a good position financially uh, ever since they sold Erling Brat Haaland, and um, money doesn't guarantee success, of course, if you don't spend it wisely or, or you know you've got a bad infrastructure. I think Mulder have proven over the last few years they've got a pretty good infrastructure there i liked their transfer strategy the last two or three years i would expect that to be pretty similar going forward and um, maybe they can even sort of afford a couple more luxury assets as well with this money um i think this this europa league success if they're wise should guarantee that they're right up there challenging certainly for the next three four five seasons consistently you're not going to win it every year you're going to get some seasons where someone's just that much better like glint have been amazing this time maybe at some point rosenberg get their act together and they're that much better but molder should be finishing in the top three pretty much every season for the next five years really at least if they if they you know use their heads correctly yeah fantastic stuff and i think am i may be right in saying uh correct me if i'm wrong but i think that's the first team to qualify for the knockout round since 2008 in norway um looking at rosenberg and bran in 2007-8 season when it was the Open Cup. She sure Mulder qualified. It's like 2014 or something. Um, I, I might be wrong there. I can't remember who it was against. They got battered over the two legs in in the in when it came out in February. But it's not something that happens every day of the week. Let's just say that, Jonathan. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, massive achievement and uh, well done to Mulder and uh, of course all their fans and supporters because and you know everyone associated with the club because that is a big. A big deal in my opinion and i'm sure for the whole of norwegian football it will give it a nice boost good for the coefficient so can only be considered a positive thing and before we finish this section with molder uh, there was a question from uh, cj uh, ted at uh, odin's creation um and he asked uh, what is the best case scenario for the knockout draw for molder who are the best opponents that they have a chance against and uh, i looked at this list and there's um Probably Dinamo Zagreb um, are their best opportunity to, to actually progress. But really, I think Mulder in a position where 
wouldn't it be great for them to get a big club, Man United or, or Spurs, you know, someone like Roma, you know, you know, along those lines. There's a lot of tasty sort of opposition they could get. There's not too many you would look at and think, you know, they've got a good chance of, of qualifying against. But, um, you know, I think you either want to get a proper big dog or I suppose, you know, like a, a Dinamo Zagreb. But you don't want some, someone in the middle like uh, maybe a PSV, um, you know, along those sort of lines. Um, I mean, it's going to be difficult for them to qualify for a number of reasons, um, not least that... You know, February is, is not usually a time when Norwegian teams are very sharp, etc. But, um, yeah, you know, there's a couple of teams in there they've got an opportunity against. But I just hope they get a massive, massive draw, which, um, you know, puts a lot of them in the spotlight. Man United would be fantastic. Let's look to the league now, Steve, because uh, it's been a double midweek round. There's been a double round this week, hasn't there? And there's been some very interesting results. And, and the first thing I'm going to do in this section is give you a bit of a big up because we don't talk about this too often but uh you are a bit of a tipster aren't you meat man and you, you like to give some tips and now and then and you know you've got a very good a good blog um and you, you price up the elite serene and you look at the odds and and this week you had a bit of a, uh, a clean sweep didn't you? you had a full house with your yeah. well thank uh, you congratulations on that indeed uh thank you very much uh yes uh head over to my website meetmansocker.com i've been providing previews for elite serian all year and uh you know i've not had a bad uh run actually i had especially was very good in in july uh, it was a big month for me and you know hopefully i can finish well in, in december this particular midweek round i had uh four advice selections which all won and i've been a bit frustrated with i've been a bit unlucky with certain selections recently so it was good to finally sort of get a clean sweep in there there's always been one thing that's let me down of late a bad luck situation or a goal here and there which can make a big difference like you know like who who would have predicted uh, that start would draw against buddha glim for example in the previous round that was a result that hit people very hard and um yeah so it was good to get a, um a clean sweep as such thank you very much yeah and you didn't know i was going to say that so uh, this isn't um, a meat man plug i just thought that uh you know, you're quite modest about it, so I thought I'd big you up there because that, that is a big achievement. Um, you had wins on Glimt, Christiansen, Rosenberg, Mjondalen, and Viking Wallerenga as well, so so a clean sweep there. And now let's talk about the results themselves because uh, yeah, it's been a, been an interesting round, isn't it? And uh, we're getting closer and closer towards the end of the season now. Um, lots of teams have different number of games played due to the, you know the, the the crazy schedule this year, but. Um, I suppose the first place to start is Buda Klim hitting 100 goals. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the objectives that they set out when after they won the league. They said, we want to get, you know, 80 plus points and we want to score 100 goals. Well, the 100 goals are in the bag, thanks to a couple of late ones uh, in, in Hargerson, 4-0 win. It was actually an interesting game. The first half, Hargerson had chances. At 0-0, they had opportunities. Um, but I think once they went 2-0 up, it was pretty much game over. Kasper Juncker scored a hat-trick. He's been a fantastic uh, striker this year. And uh, he's right up there in the goal-scoring charts. But yeah, a couple of late goals from him. Sealed a 4-0 victory and, and exactly 100. So a fantastic century of goals. And uh, they've still got one more match against Viking, which I can't imagine that. Ending 0-0, they might end up close to 105 at the end of it all. Yeah, I mean, we, what more else can you say about Buda Glimp, to be honest? It's, it's, it's just unbelievable week after week um, to hit 100 goals in a 30-game in a, in a season. 
with one game to spare as well. Um, it's really, really phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, once again, Buda Glimp, champions of Norway, can't really speak highly enough of them. And an interesting thing from there as well, Jens Petter Hauger getting the winner for AC Milan tonight. So even their departed soldiers are carrying on the fight and representing Glimp around the world. There were some key results, though, um, elsewhere in the table, weren't there, Steve? And uh, a couple of them I just read out to you. Viking 2, Wallerenga 2, and Rosenborg 1, Mjondel 0, Start 1, Brand 1. Yeah, um, the start match uh, was on Wednesday against Brown, and this was your first half start. Really, probably should have scored, um, and then Brown a fantastic free kick from uh, Petter Strand in the uh, 60th minute gave Brown the lead one 0 Eric Schulze equalised for start, and then it looked like it was heading towards a one-all draw. Uh, and Brown were given a penalty late, eighty-six like or eighty-seventh minute. And it was a bit soft. Probably was a penalty, but soft. Dodo Bamba stepped up to take it, and it summed up his season. I said it on Twitter. It, it, it looked like it was field goal practice for him. He's doing the wrong sport, Jonathan. Uh, he blazed it miles over the bar, and it kind of sums up his season. I, I, he was—he's one of the worst strikers for goal expected goals efficiency this year. It just hasn't gone his way, and I think that kind of—he he, he ironically had been doing a lot better recently, but he still just didn't look confident up there. But the end result is a crucial point for start. I mean, Brown actually celebrated the final whistle because they officially survived because of the draw. But looking back, that could be a massive, massive moment for start, uh, that missed penalty. Yeah, and on the subject of Dada Bamba, of course, um, we have to sort of stand in solidarity with him because uh, you mentioned he's not had a great season and, and uh, you know, his season probably got worse, didn't it? Because he was the victim of a lot of racial abuse uh, on social media afterwards. And the club has spoken out after that. And, um, you know, once again, we're sort of condemning these um, disgusting messages that, that he was, you know, subjected to after the game. But, um, yeah, on the field, of course, you know, he's, he's, you've said it a few times, he's, he's, he's been a bit of a, a boo boy this season, hasn't he, really? Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, he has deserved uh, footballing criticism. There's no doubt about it. Um, and uh, I feel like he deserves some praise recently for scoring goals. A lot of strikers would have kind of given up, um, you know, just it's not my year, but he kept he's kept plodding on. You know, he bagged himself a couple of goals in recent games, Arlesund. Yeah, I know it's only Arlesund, but he had a good assist against Sarsborg. I, th- I feel like he's been playing a lot better football. He had a good performance against Rosenborg as well. So uh, it's a shame for him that he missed that penalty, but he just didn't look confident, Jonathan. You can tell when it's not going your way. I mean, I like that he, he, he wanted to take the kick and everything. But, um, yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, uh, every player can have a bad season, though, can't they? And he, he's in the past, he's probably got enough in the bank there to, to, to turn around and say, you know what, long term, I've still got it and I can rebound next year. And, you know, I could I would hope to see that from him, you know. I like, I like watching him play. He's a good he plays in a style that I like. It just sometimes, for whatever reason, even the good, even the best of players just don't have a great year, do they? It can happen. Yeah, and he described it as sad, very sad, when uh, he was asked about it after the game, the abuse he took on, on social media. And of course, you know, Nordic Football Podcast would always stand against that. And, um, you know, I hope Dada's doing okay. And of course, he has our support, but uh, on the field, I suppose, yeah, maybe things will turn his way as we move along. I mean, let's move towards Rosenborg because that game. You would maybe expect them to, to do slightly better against me on Dedham, would you, maybe? 
Yeah, it's going back to Duda Bamber. It's, it's quite shocking um, that we're in that position again. Um, I can't believe what's happened the last couple of months in Norway regarding that. And uh, it's, it's pathetic. And we, we totally stand with him, like you said. Now, the Mjørndalen match, um, I mean, this was a late drama. It looked like Mjørndalen held out for a nil-nil draw. But a very, very late Christopher Zakariasen winner was enough to seal the points of Rosenborg. And... Uh, I said it on Twitter, it was kind of ironic that with Mjørndalen, we knew their tactic today was going to be just sit deep, defend, try and get the point, um, frustrate Rosenborg as much as they can, time waste, you know, do as, do as many of their shithousery tricks they could to frustrate Rosenborg. And, you know, I totally agree with that tactic. That's what I would have done if I was in Vegar Hansen's shoes. Remember, they're a limited club. Limited budget, resources, everything. They're trying to play to their strengths and stuff. But So I was kind of gutted for them in a way that they conceded so late. Um, to a, just a ball over the top. It's the sort of goal they would score. But it kind of summed up their season. They, they just can't take their chances. And they did get opportunities in, in this match. You know, as you would expect, Rosenborg were pushing for the win. And me and Darn, they had a couple of... Certainly one was a massive one-on-one chance, which Andre Hansen saved. And at the end of the day, if me and Darn do go down, then... They've got to look at the goal scored column and it's 23 goals. It's just nowhere near enough in 29 games. And the next nearest to them is 30 in the table. Like, so they're well adrift of the, the rest of the league for goals scored. And that's their problem. You know, if they could nick a goal there and go one up, it's a different ball game. Rosenborg will take the three points. They, they lost four in a row and they were desperate for a, for, for, for a victory there, uh, even though they weren't that great on the night. Yeah, and this ties into what we've been saying about, about Rosenborg, isn't it, for, for a few weeks now in terms of slightly underachieving. I mean, you look at the table, they're fourth, and we're running out of games now. You know, they, uh, they've got a game in hand on Wallerenga, who are in third, and they're four points behind. So, you know, if they do win that game in hand, they'll close that gap to one point. But uh, are they in danger of missing out altogether on Europe this, this season? I think they would have been if they'd not won that game. They've got two matches remaining. They've got Mulder at home on Sunday, and then they've got Sanderfield away the last game of the season. I think we can probably give them the win at Sanderfield, if we're being honest. Um, you would just expect the extra desire and motivation should be enough to get them through there. And they might well get Mulder at a good time uh, after their trip to Vienna. So I, I could actually see them getting six points towards the end. They usually beat Mulder at home anyway. They'll be up for that. But I looked at one of the big problems, you know, Roosevelt have got. The squad itself is really thin. Like I looked at that subs bench and there's two or three players I've never heard. Well, I've never come across them. And it just shows they're really scraping the barrel at the minute. They, they, they sold a lot of players this year, um, you know, from, you know, the likes of Turgill Bourbon to Tronson, Lundemo, all got sold, Bergen, Melling, have all been on their bike this year. And they've not really added too many, too many others. And injuries have kicked in. Paul Andre Helen is inj- injured again, for example. The squad's pretty damn threadbare at times. It does it does lack depth. It's a quality, fairly quality squad, but it does lack a lot of depth. And I think that's their problem. They've not got enough. You know, sometimes if he's looking towards the bench, the manager might think, well, who's on here that can make a difference? There's not enough people. So yeah, I said in the last podcast I'm worried about them in the short term. And I, you know, they might just scrape over the line and finish in the top four, but it's not been pretty recently. No, and uh, they've been looking heavily towards Sweden, haven't they, uh, in their scouting at the moment. And uh, they've announced another player will be joining them from um, Sweden. That's Rosenborg I'm talking about, sorry, in in the form of um, Adam Anderson, 
who looks to be joining him from from uh, joining them from Bickle Hacken at the end of the season. Um, he's out of contract this summer, uh, sorry, this winter, and it's a player who I know fairly well. So it's, it's an interesting one. Um, Anderson has described it as one of the largest clubs in the Nordic region, and he would be very interested. It will be very interesting for him. And of course, the Rusable manager has previously stated he's had a long interest in, in Adam Anderson. So, so there you go. That's a potential one that could happen. They've uh, signed uh, the guy from, is it Jorgan, uh, left back, Augustinson? Yeah, yeah, they have as well. Um, I mean, that was a position of need. I mean, you know him better than me. Uh, I think left back has been an issue ever since Bergen Melling left in midsummer. Park and Canate's come in and, and had glimpses. But they've been playing like Hedenstad at left-back recently in certain games. I mean, Hedenstad is, has been sort of inconsistent the last couple of years anyway. But he's a right-back and that's all he is. He's not a left-back and that's a position of need. Whether or not these two new players are the level they need, uh, I'm not sure. Well, I quite like Adam Anderson. I think it's been a bit strange because he's not really been in, involved Um for Hacken as much as he'd have liked this season, only 13 starts. And I remember watching him come through when he, when I was in Sweden and, you know, he was a young player at that time. It was, you know, it was about 20, 21. He's got a brother as well who moved out to, uh, to Denmark, I believe. And um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, I think he's probably stagnated slightly. I, I do think it's an interesting sign. I think he, he, he has the potential to move on. And I think it might be best for all parties, to be honest, because I think he may need a new challenge um, somewhere he can get more regular game time and m- maybe, you know that 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 change in scenery could benefit him and also benefit Rosenborg. I think there is a player in there. Um, whether he can really become one of the top players in Norway, that'll be up to him. But uh, I do think there's some some ability there, in, in, and he's also quite positionally versatile. He can play on either side. Um, on either side. So, uh, yeah, interesting signing if it does go through. It looks like it is, but uh, no official confirmation yet. Uh, and yeah, so let's move on to um, the other game that you wanted to talk about, which is Wallerenga. Yeah, well, you know, this was a two-all draw. Volerenga went 2-0 up <clears throat> and looked in control of this game, actually. Aaron Dunham, big shout-out to him. He looks sensational. I mean, I'm convinced Aaron Dunham, is, is a uh, he can get a move away from the Elitisarian and, and and succeed pretty much anywhere he wants to. He, he's so classic this week. He stepped it up against Rosenborg on Monday and got the winning goal 1-0. And he was he was unplayable in this match for an hour. Viking couldn't handle him and Volerenga got... They just ran out of steam. I think they, they did Rikin in the end just pressurised them and scored two late goals. But it's it's quite impactful because Bolarenga looked like if they'd won that game, they would have pretty much nailed on at least third spot. Uh, it would have been very hard to catch them. Um, but otherwise, kind of that result impacts both ends of the table because the final match of the season is Bolarenga against Start. Now, if Rosenborg win against Molder and go one point behind going into the final round. Volerenga are going to have to beat Start to guarantee themselves um, third position. Um, presuming, I mean, Odd, Odd actually could still catch them as well, but I think Odd is asking a lot for Odd. But they're going to have to win the final game, basically. You know, had they beaten Viking tonight, Start might have been thinking, you know, we can go there against an unmotivated team who don't, are not playing for much. Um, because at the bottom of the table now, uh, Strom's good set they are safe from automatic relegation whatever they could still finish in the playoff spot Mjerndal are three points behind start with both of them with one game left to play Mjerndal have a goal difference which is four goals worse 
uh, start as they go to Wolverhampton, Mjern Dalen have Arlesund at home. So there's a four-goal different swing, but it could easily turn around because Arlesund are there for the taking. I mean, if you if you want to rack up a big win against someone, they're the perfect opponents. They conceded 82 goals this season, for crying out loud. Um, so we could get a situation where the final position, the playoff slash relegation, is determined uh, by goal difference. And you know it might come. We might be last ten minutes, and Mjerndal need another goal to 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 to, to get ahead of start. It's going to be a really intriguing finish because um, you know you would expect probably Volleringa to beat Start, and you would expect Mjerndal to beat Olsen. It's just a question of what the goal differential is. Yeah, that's going to be really fascinating. And also, um, <clears throat> just to point out, Volleringa are unbeaten in, in their last ten games, which is quite an achievement. The last time they lost was way back in September. Uh, against the Buda Glimp was, of course, as it would be. Um, that's going to come down to the wire, real wire, isn't it? That, that relegation battle. Three-point difference between Star and Mjondalen. Three goals separating them in terms of goal difference. Um, and as you say, Mjondalen face Arlesen, who are already relegated, and start go to Wolleranga, who also need the points themselves to just secure maybe one of those uh, Europa League spots. Um is it too early to make a prediction or should we move on to the next topic? Well, no, I mean, I think it's a good time. I'll tell you what, though, Jonathan, a lot will depend on these. Uh, we've got two matches of the weekend which are important in this. Rosenborg against Mulder and Starbuck against Christiansen. If Rosenborg and Christiansen both win, then Volarenga are going to need to get the win against Start on the final round to guarantee themselves finishing above them both. But if Rosenborg and Christiansen both cock up, and Volarenga could be in a position, depending on odds results, but we th- we're thinking we're ruling out odd. It's just not happening for them, but the odds still got four games left. Um, but as I say, if, if, if those two sides fail, we could get a situation where Volarenga just need a point to finish third. And, you know, you know, I'm thinking there, if Start need a point and Volarenga need a point, what's going to, what's it going to finish? Maybe they'll both play for the draw. So two crucial matches to come this weekend, but just say, you know, Volaringa do need the win. I, I could, I think Mjerndal will beat Arlesen. They can probably beat them by two or three goals if they want. And I think um, I could see Mjerndal and maybe just sneaking into that third, into that 14th spot by like one goal margin or something. It'll be really, really close. Well, with that in mind, let's let's hear your prediction for Rosenborg Mulder because that is uh, the game of the weekend, probably. It's a big game. Uh, as we just said, Mulder in decent form, you know, Magnus Wolf from scoring the goals. Um, they've got to travel to Rosenborg to secure their kind of, um, you know, their position in second. Mm. What you, what's, your, what's your prediction for that game? I think Rosenborg win it. They, they, they usually beat Mulder in this fixture. It's just the players just kind of raise it for it. Mulder are going to have surely some sort of hangover after Thursday night. Like they were, they put a lot of effort into that game in Vienna. Then they can rotate the squad. That's great, but there's definitely going to be an element of fatigue in there for for, for Mulder, I think. Um, and they're, they're in a comfortable, at the minute, a comfortable second place. Volerenga can't finish above them. Rosenborg can't finish above them. I think Odd are the only side left that could still, in theory, in fact, no, Mulder actually have secured second place. I do believe. Uh, just look, she's looking at the uh, the results table now. Yeah, it's in the back for them. So. They're kind of nothing at stake, really, in that, in that regard. There was a question, I think, that's come through on uh, Twitter um, from Andrew Kaiser. Mulder, six points from tying the record. The best ever second-place finish 
but they have to play Rosenborg and Odderway in the span of four days and then Sarsborg at home a week later. Will they make it? Well, I think they'll lose this game against Rosenborg, Andrew. But then the match against Odd and Sarsborg, to be honest, I, think I would expect them to probably win those two fixtures and, and end up over 60 points. Um, so, yeah, I think they can win those two. But this is a difficult time to face Rosenborg. Rosenborg, despite them not being that great against Mjern, darling, you could see they were hungry. They were up for the fight and they will be up for the fight in this game. So I think it's a good one for RBK. Yep, there you go. And uh, I'm going to wrap up because we're, we're going to come to the end of this uh, this uh, part of the show. But we do have some listener questions for you. Still, right. As always. Um, we've had that one there from, from Andrew Kaiser. Thanks very much. And yeah, just to confirm, by the way, Mulder were in the uh, Europa League knockouts in 2015, uh, 16. And you're right, they lost to Sevilla. But uh, the last team that wasn't Mulder, they w- was Rosenborg and uh, and Brown back in 2008, 2008 nice. so quite a long time ago. But uh, yes, Steve, let's let's get you some listener questions, shall we? And I'm going to ask you one from a friend of the pod, Joe Gould. And long time since we heard from you, Joe, because uh, he seems to he he says uh, this was going to be my you know a finally caught question time for once. So he's happy to get his question in. He says, "What's stopping Brand from making more noise in the Elite Serien?" That's a really good question. And um, as I say, me and Ben Wells had a good chat about Brand in, in a re- one of the recent podcasts. And uh, for me, they're the flop of the season. Um, you know, I, they, they had a squad which could have, which certainly should have competed for medals. It's just. I think what stopped them has been management. Simple as that. Um, I think their recruitment's been reasonably good. I think the the, the backroom in- infrastructure's not been bad. I think the fans are always hungry. I think there is motivation there. There's there's ambition as well. Um, but just simply management. Remember, Lajana Nielsen has had positives and negatives. He did lead them to a couple of second place finishes in the league, which isn't too bad. They weren't far off winning the league, were they? Um, by three three years ago or so, um, but I think it's the manager. They, they've got to make a big decision in the off season. Are they going to stick with Cora and Inga Brixen, which I'd imagine they will, or do they need to look forward? And I think they need a more modern, dynamic coach, really. To be honest, Jonathan. Um, but you, I suppose you've got to give Inga Brixen maybe the whole off season to to make this his own team, but. For me, it's 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 management and, and on the field, really. It's not necessarily about the playing squad. Yeah, and he has a follow-up question. Thoughts on uh, Stylus Olbeck and as the head coach of Norway, the national team? I don't know enough about him, to be honest. Um, I know he was manager at uh, Copenhagen and he came under some fire a bit. He's a bit outspoken. I like that, that he's a bit outspoken with certain things um, and he's a bit more probably modern thinking than uh, Lagerback was but uh, I just want to see a manager get the most out of this great crop of talent that Norway have got and uh, we'll judge him uh, I guess on the next, over the next few years based on that and uh, you know it can't be any I think Lagerback had to go I think it was quite obvious they needed to change on from him so fair play at the Norwegian Football Association there they've made the change one of the favourites to take over the job has got the job so let's see how he does Great stuff and great to hear from you, Mr. Joe Gould. And we've got one final question which we'll wrap up with. We did answer a question about uh, the Zinc. We've had another question about him. Um, but go back and listen to last week's show if you want to have uh, some thoughts on the Zinc because we did cover him last week. So we're going to squeeze one in from the, the Barisha show, at Barisha57. 
Uh, thank you for your question here. And he says, opinions on Zima Batiki. Do he and Viking have what it takes to push on next season? Yeah, this is a, another really interesting um, question, actually. Uh, I, I actually, I mean, I, I mentioned the last podcast, they're replacing Bjarne Bertson with a, a dual assistant, a dual coaching uh, spot with a couple of assistants at the minute. How, from, In my experience, that doesn't work. But ironically, it did work, didn't it, for uh, for Jorgarten, of course, uh, when they won the title last year. So uh, I actually think Viking would have had a good year in a normal year. They just didn't come out of the blocks well enough. And I think, look, di different teams were in different situations in June, weren't they? Some came through the COVID break better than others. And Viking just didn't start sharply enough. And I think if they had started well enough, they would have been definitely well in the mixer for a medal spot right now because they've looked really good since mid-season. Um, I'm not convinced they can kick on next year, though, because unless these two joint managers really do well, I mean, on the playing, start, on the playing front of things, I think the, the, the area they need to upgrade is probably they need a, a really good central midfielder enforcer. And I think they could possibly do well. I think left back is they need, they need a good left back now as well. Um, so I'd be surprised if they can kick on in towards a medal spot with a, a, a dual management duo, to be honest, Jonathan, I would be surprised. Yeah, and Bitiki himself, he's um, he's one of the top assist providers in the league, I believe, isn't he, this season? He's done done pretty well. He he's has. got seven assists. I'm impressed with him. He's, he's, he's a very, he's a technical wizard. Him and Barisha have been uh, fantastic this year. Um, Barisha, a clinical finisher. I say, he, uh, I can't rate him higher, uh, highly enough. He's, uh, he's one of my favourite players in this league. He can make things happen that he, that not many others in this league can make happen. Uh, technical wizard, like I said, and uh, he's, he's got a great fighting spirit about him as well. Um, really, really love him. Yeah, in fact, he's got nine goals and eleven assists in twenty-seven games, which is pretty impressive. And he's a twenty-four-year-old Kosovan uh, wide player. Uh, that is some pretty good numbers there, to be fair. And he's also out of contract um, at the end of this season. So, is there any interest? I think there'll be plenty of interest out there for sure. And um, it'll be interesting to see if some of these Vi Viking players want to move on with, with Bjarne Burtson, no longer coach. Um, because I think he's given a lot to this. He's built a great connection with some of these players over the last few years. So, um, yeah, I think Viking are going in a new direction, maybe a risky direction. If you if you had to name one non-Glimp player who you think will go on to a bigger league next season, who who would it be? Cool. That's just, I mean, I can't answer that so straight away so quickly. But Aaron Dunham, probably. But Volerengro, I mentioned him earlier. He looks really, really classy. Uh, I think I could see him moving on to big things. If you want to, I mean, I wrote about him in the Weisscout blog earlier in the year. And um, he's got it to move to a big level. Yeah, and we are um, partners with Weisscout. Uh, so big up to them. Good shout out to, to Weisscout there. Um, and we'll be having another blog coming out soon. The our most recent one was um, we, on Malmo. We have a blog on it every month. And, uh, yeah, check out Scout for, for more great content on the Nordic Leagues um, brought to you by ourselves. So let's wrap it up for part one. In part two, we're going to move to Sweden. And we're going to talk about the end of the season, the final round of games, go through every single team and sort of give a quick, quick breakdown of them and look at the playoffs and what's going to be 
in the pipeline for 2021. So we'll be back after this short break. back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan for Dugba as ever and we're going to talk about Sweden now and uh, the season is uh, complete, well the regular season anyway, as we look back at the final round of uh, fixtures, some key results. Um, we'll start off with uh, a couple that impacted the bottom of the table, Falkenberg against Mjelby and Kalmar Hecken. Um, Falkenberg 2, Mjelby 3. Uh, a bit of a wild encounter, Jonathan. And, and we're going to ask you some thoughts on, on the game. But also, overall, we're going to go through all the matches here from the final round. Just a, a brief sort of debrief uh, for every team, how, how they've done this season. Maybe even a grade, perhaps, on their uh, the season as a whole. But, yeah, let's start with this this 2-3 affair. Yeah, well, it was a game that Falkenberg needed to get something from. They 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 went into the you know last day of the season knowing that they... They needed results to go their way. They needed Kalmar to drop points, and they needed they need, needed a win really to um, get themselves into that final uh, relegation playoff place. But um, unlike last season, Steve, where they managed to sort of score a late goal and, and sneak their way out of uh, out of it on the last day of the season and survive, it was almost the complete opposite this season. It was a last minute goal um, by Mialbi Bergstrom to uh, seal their fate. It was uh, they actually took the lead. But uh, yeah, Bergstrom scored two, and um, in the end, Max Watson as well scored. And uh, although they pulled it back to two-two, um, Bergstrom popped up with a, a 90th-minute winner, and that, that sends Falkenberg down. And it's been a it's been a pretty disappointing season, really, for Falkenberg. All things considered, they finish, they end up finishing bottom. Um, that is exactly where I predicted at the start of the season on the podcast. It wasn't huge, you know. Um, it wasn't a wild card, but uh, prediction or anything like that. It was fairly. Um, in line with probably a lot of people's expectations, um, you know they they probably are the worst team in this league, if, if I'm honest, and um, and they always were the worst team in this league, I think, really, to to be perfectly frank. And uh, for that reason, that's that's why they'll be back into the Super Retin next season. Yeah, not a, a big shock that they ended up going down, I suppose. Uh, but you know, well done on on that prediction. Uh, you, you were never really. He never expected much all year from the view, and he always constantly said it was going to be a battle. But what about Mialbi, though? I mean, they finished uh, fifth incredibly. Uh, what an incredible uh, end to the year. They've won a lot of games in a row. I mean, this has got to be one of the teams of the year, right? Yeah, they've done a fantastic job. They've done a fantastic job. Uh, really out- outweighed expectations, I think. I think the manager, Marcus Lance, has done a fantastic job. Uh, it wasn't expected that they would do so well, I don't think. And um, they've always, they had you know they they had good players and I think they bought really well, you know I, I mentioned in preseason that, that they'd made some really good signings I, I felt, um, Bergstrom was one of them he he was he rejoined from Mjondalen where he'd been there for half a season, and uh, I liked him I like a lot I like a lot of what I saw he lost his place in the team for a while, uh, Moses Ogbu came in and he he did really really well ended up one of the top goal scorers in the league, of course he went off with Michael Jolly to to Grimsby when um, Michael Jolly was briefly in charge there and came back to Sweden after you know, it didn't really work out for him in England. Ogbu, but he's come back this season and banged in a lot of goals. And uh, yeah, he's been one of the top players of the season, no doubt about that. 
Um, you know, and then they got the likes of David Batanero, Bessard Sabovic. Uh, I, I like their team. I think a little, based on the players that they had, um, they, they've performed very, very well. I think, and, and, and ultimately, Lance has been able to gel that team together and uh, and get them to a remarkable position in the table. Really, uh, to finish fifth is it's just out of this world. But uh, of course, he's now announced he'll be leaving, and um, they'll be looking for a new manager. There's a ring, big rumours that Henrik Riesdrum might might take the job, um, the serious manager who, who, of course, has had such such praise this season. So uh, probably one to watch this space. But um, yeah, in terms of Falkenberg, they did have some decent players, you know, and I think Marcus Matisson is a is a is a player who will. I'm sure he won't be sticking around too long in the, in the Super Retin. I think he's got the potential to move on. Um, but I think Johan Bjorkengren, when when they lost him, he, he moved to Italy, moved to Lecce. Um, I think losing him was really, that was it for, for Falcon. But they weren't doing too badly early in the season. You know, they, they were hanging in there. Um, but yeah, I think losing such a key midfielder, Bjorkengren, I, I really like him as well. And he ended up going to to Italy, which which wasn't really a huge surprise. And they they kind of tanked off um, after that, and you know their last sort of four games. Um, although they did have to, they did put together a few wins in October. Um, beat Orebro, beat Eurogarden, but in the end, you know, just just lost too many games, conceded too many goals, and um, yeah, and of course, Hass Eklund is a, a manager we've had on the podcast, so a disappointing end to the to their uh, stay in Osvenska. I mean, they had to win to have any chance of getting in the playoff. But it wouldn't have mattered anyway because Kalmar needed a point to secure themselves 14th position. And in typical Kalmar fashion at the end of the year, they, they managed to get what they needed. A nil-nil draw against uh, Hecken, which actually was a result which um, was very good for Hecken as well. It secured them third place ultimately, so it wasn't a bad draw for them either. Um, what have you got to say about this particular particular match? More about Kalmar in a minute because they've already played the first leg of their playoff, but... Uh, was it a nil-nil that did exactly what it said on the tin? Yeah, it really was. It was a bit of a dead game, to be honest. I think, uh, you know, to be, there's been some, some, uh, well, pretty shocking incidents in, in in Sweden in recent in recent weeks and months. There's been, um, I think you remember once we covered the match fixing scandals that had taken place, and um, you know, there's been some real real issues in Sweden with that kind of thing. A player, an Allsvenskan player, a former Allsvenskan player, was actually was actually taken into uh, for questioning about match fixing uh, of late and um yeah so that you know that is quite worrying but uh, th- this game was really quite a dead game to be honest um, not much really happened of note um 0.41 expected goals versus 0.43 no one really created anything um hacken didn't even have a single shot on target in the game which really summed it up, to be honest. Uh, they dominated possession, but Hacken were sorry, Kalmar were happy to just sit back and and, and take that point that they needed, uh, and they've done that. And uh, of course, we'll talk about the playoff maybe shortly, but um, that that was enough to secure them that playoff, um, and 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 try and you know for the second year running escape in the playoffs. Yeah, um, I think probably Hacken were, were scoreboard watching around, Norshipping match. They had an eye on the Jurgarten match as well. Ultimately, they finished third. Um, they've only lost five matches. I mean, how would you rate Hecken's season? Yeah, really good. I think they've had a really good season. I think um, maybe some people might have questioned whether they could actually challenge for the title. Um, and maybe there was a point in the season where, you know, it looked like maybe that it could, it could happen. But 
too many draws really obviously started the season with three draws um they drew a lot of games this year really you know they had a period in august where they won four on the spin uh and some big games as well they beat uh obviously they beat viber back to back beat no shopping away beat aik away and, and um looked like maybe you know they could do something on their day hacking are an excellent side and you only have to look at some of the results this season they, they beat hammerby three nil they beat elfsborg six nil they beat aik four nil you know they beat falkenberg three nil of course or liberal three nil so on their day, they, they're a really, really good side. And I think they, they can go toe-to-toe with anyone in this league, maybe ex- Malmo aside. Um, but just just inconsistency at, at key moments in the season, I think, really. And I think they're one of those teams where they, they just, they're just not ready for a title challenge yet. They're, they're a good sort of solid side. But when they come up against really, really stronger opponents, I think they just li- lack a little bit of, um, you know, that winning mentality, which I think is what some of their players that they signed, Sutherland, for example, I think maybe brought a little bit more of that. But uh, just, just they're very um, good at kind of uh, what's the they've, they're very they've got a lot of flair players. You know, they're they're very good at sort of create creating and things like that. But I just think sometimes when when you need to see out a game, see out a win, that's an area that they lack. And, the eleventh um, best away record. That's all they had. Yeah, a lot of draws in there, admittedly, but that's that was their Achilles heel. Yeah. But I think the one player that I want to mention just before we move on is probably Dalo Irandust. Um, anyone who follows on Twitter at JF Football, you'll see I put together a little um, graphic of um, the top dribblers, the top assist providers, expected assists, um, which we tweeted as well on Nordic Footpod. Um, a little data visualization, and uh, yeah, Irandust really stood out well in that. You know, one of the best in terms of expected assists per ninety, and one of the top dribblers as well per ninety. Um, and I think he might be leaving you know, this, this, um, at the end of the season. So he, he's been a really good player in Osvenska and there's a lot of rumours linking him to Germany, maybe Bundesliga too. Uh, and I think it may be time for him to leave, to be honest, because I think he may have been starting to get a little bit stale in, in my opinion. I think he's, he's been ready for a while. We've talked about him. He was one of our first ever, uh, player in focuses actually on this podcast about three years ago. Um, so he's really, you know, usually Steve, you get, they, they, they leave straight away, don't they? But, um, this one has stuck around for quite a long time. And I think maybe, maybe it's time now for him to move on and if he does you know we'd wish him well yeah we certainly do um let's let's we're going to talk about kalmar uh in detail in the playoff game uh, at some point at the end of this uh section so um stay tuned for that but let's move on to another match from uh, the final uh, round and that was elspore against a core it finished two all elspore actually blew it blew a two nil lead in this game but they finished second, a rather unlikely uh, second spot from Elfsborg, I must say. Um, not a team we tend to mention much on the Nordic Football Podcast, it must be said. We did have an episode earlier in the year where um, you gave them a bit more airtime compared to normal. So here's a chance for you to uh, to go in on Elfsborg. Second place finishes three defeats. Um, and two all against Icor, uh, who finished ninth eventually. But Elfsborg, what, what a year, silver medal. Yeah, European place, uh, secure, and they finished second, which, you know, I'm not sure many people saw that coming. And, yeah, you have to give a real amount of praise to them and, and everyone involved at the club, uh, the coaching staff. Only lost three games this season, which which is really impressive. One of them was that 6-0 to Hacken, but um, only lost again to Ostersunds at home and Udebro away and managed to take points off every other team. And that includes Malmo, uh, who they beat 
in fact, at home and, and drew away. So that really speaks a lot to the quality that Elfsborg has managed to put together this season. That they, They've been really impressive. The, the one thing they've been good at is not losing games. I think it, it, that's, you know, to only lose three. They're the sort of team where, almost the opposite to Hacken there, where Hacken can be ex- excellent on the day, but then also sometimes, you know, um, can't see out games. Elfsborg are kind of the opposite. They'll make sure they see out a game. A lot of draws. They went five games in a row drawing in September. Um, that kind of team, really, and they drew the last two games, obviously, ARK at the weekend, and uh, Sirius as well, the game before that. that they're the kind of team who, who takes takes that draw if it's needed. Um, obviously, recovered well, having lost Jesper Carlsen to, to AZ Alkmaar, uh, and, you know, he was probably one of the best players in the league this season, if not the best, you know, on, on balance, uh, one of the top players in the league, without doubt. So, they, they even losing him didn't really derail them too much, uh, as it might have. So, yeah, you know, really, really impressive. I think they've got some top players. Uh, I think you have to give a massive shout-out to, uh, I think, Joseph Okumu, for me, is one of the top players in the league. Um, defensively, really, really uh, solid centre-back, Kenyan. I think he's going to have a, a big future, actually. And um, a few others as well. So, uh, yeah, I think um, Johan Larson as well is a player who, who did really well. Um, his expected assist by 90 is one of the best in the league, in fact. So, another player who you can kind of um, praise and just all round a, a good team. You know, you have to give them a lot of praise. And, you know, I've been a bit critical of them over recent years, saying there's not much about them, nothing really to talk about. Uh, definitely been the opposite this season. They, they've done well. Is it as good as it gets for them now, though? Can, or they, can they kick on? Uh, I don't see any reason why they can't kick on. I mean, I think they'll attract some interest in their players. I think there'll be a lot of interest, you know. Um, I mean, Johan Larson is 30, so it's not exactly like he might, he, he might stick around. He, you know, he did really well in terms of expected assists. Um, total number of assists, eight, which is, which is really impressive for him. Um, and they've got other players that they can, like I say, they've got a decent squad. So, I mean, the only <laughs> the only one thing better is to win the league, right? So, yeah, can they go one better? That's That's a big, big challenge. But um, certainly for this season, they have to be very happy. A ninth place finish for Aikor. I mean, we've talked about them quite a lot this season on the podcast. Nightmare first half of the year. They've they picked up form in, in the second part. But really, this is just one of them years where they they live another day and move on, right? Yeah, 100%. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think this is just going to be written off. And, um, you know, like you say, just take a shot and move on. Um not, not, not a season really to to, to to talk about much for for AIK. I think it's been a disappointing one for them. I think that they um, they recovered obviously with um, with the manager Bartos Grozelak coming in, and they put to bed obviously the whole Ricard Norling era, which you know he's a, a hugely popular figure. So it was obviously sad to see him go, and there's even talk he may return one day. But um, yeah, I think the challenge now for them will be to build. I think there'll be a lot of players maybe going in and out. They've already lost um, Sig Torsen, who's gone. Um, you know, and there's going to be others as well who who will definitely leave. I've seen an interview with Greslak saying that he wants more creators in his team. He wants more players, he said, who can play in between the lines and, and, and sort of um, make forward runs, positive runs. I think, you know, at times they were a little bit stale. Uh, the likes of Henrik Goiton may be getting on a little bit now. So I can definitely see the rationale behind that. I think there'll be a lot of work in the summer for AIK to to rebuild because, you know, finishing where they finished this season is not really where they want to be, ninth in the table. Um, the worst team in Stockholm in terms of the league position as well, below Jurgården, below Hammerby. So um, not a good one for AIK, really. 
Let's move on to an absolutely wild game. Uh, Norshipping three, Helsingborg four. Um, I mean, that was the scoreline at half time as well. An incredible first half. Uh, we, we won't dwell on Helsingborg. They, they, they were relegated already. But for, for Norshipping, this was a significant result. If they'd won, they could have potentially finished as high as third if the goal difference had gone their way. And they certainly would have finished fourth. Uh, eventually, they finished sixth. Um, losing against the side already relegated is kind of crazy. First of all, I mean, what what was going on here? I mean, this is a wild affair. And secondly, I mean, what a collapse for Norshipping. They they were initial title contenders. Yeah, I mean, you say it was a bit of a wild one, and you know, isn't it? How crazy is it sometimes where you get a situation where um, teams relegated and suddenly pull out the best one of the best results of the season? You know, for Helsingborg to beat Norshipping uh, away from home is really you know, quite quite impressive, and 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 uh, you know the XG as well. They they really performed quite well in this game. They they really took the game to uh, to North Shopping. Um, Thirteen shots they had uh, on target, so that tells you a lot. Twenty one shots in total, and North Shopping thirty shots. So it was a real you know lively game. Um, but yeah, it really yeah. We will talk about Helsingborg because there's been a, a few developments, but um, for North Shopping, it really just leaves a sour taste. I think for their fans potentially. I think it's been a bit of a bitter end to this season. Um, <clears throat> I'm really disappointed in them, actually, in, in, in how the season panned out. Um, you know, 46 goals conceded is really not good enough, let's be honest. Um, you've got teams near the bottom of the table. I mean, Helsingborg got relegated and they only conceded 48 themselves. So that tells you something about it. Where no shopping were good is goals scored. They scored 60 goals, second most of any team in the league this season. You know, they the likes of Haksabanovic, Christopher Neiman, who was so good this season. Um, they've got the talent to, to open teams up. Isaac Bergman, Johansson, of course, the revelation of the season, 17-year-old. Talked about him many times. And, um, yeah, it's just been a, you know, 10 defeats out of 30. One in three games they lose. That's just not good enough. And uh, I think for a team like the thing with North Shopping, they really they really put a lot of financial muscle into this season. You know, they went big. Um, you know, if they're a poker player, they really raised a lot of chips in this season and threw in a lot of chips into the into the ring. Um, bet on a strong hand in, in players like Haksabanovic. They paid a I think a record fee for um to bring him back to Sweden from West Ham, you know, so they they really went for it. And um yeah, I think it's a shame and then obviously they got to the mid season and I think the loss of Rasmus Lauritz and their centre back, who for me is one of the was one of the top players of the league. Um, I think that hurt them a little bit defensively, and and they just never really recovered. And I think the worrying thing is for them, Steve, a lot of rumours about their players now because they are a good side. They have a lot of good players, and um, there's a lot a lot of rumours about players leaving now. Isaac Pettersson, the goalkeeper, has sort of said that he may want to want to leave. Uh, Philip Dargestal has already announced he's probably going to leave at the end of the season. Um, Simon Tern is on an outgoing contract. He's potentially going to leave. Eric Smith, you know, he was he was on loan from Ghent, and it's I'm not sure if they're going to be able to keep him. Um, Andreas Blomkis, Lars Gerson are on that expiring contract. Even the manager, Jens Gustafsson, has been linked with a move to Denmark. So it almost feels like maybe, you know, they've had the last two three seasons to to, to sort of challenge and maybe maybe do something. It almost feels like that window may be closing now and it may be a very different team when we when we return next season for no shopping it sounds like they've literally put the house the wife and the dog into this season it's <laughs> they gambled everything it hasn't they've not really got anything out of it have they sixth place doesn't get them even Europe for next year so absolute nightmare i mean they, they, oh, i can't believe this they they won 
seven of the first nine games, I think, or something along those lines. Yeah, they were well clear and exactly. And I thought, you know, at one point they were, I think, about 10 points clear almost at one point in the season in early July. So um, to, to not even get Europe, I think, is bordering unacceptable, to be yeah. honest with you, with the amount of money they've put into it and the players that they had, I think, you know, to see the likes of Elsborg finish above them. Uh, Mialbi finish above them. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really disappointing. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Helsingborg now because you, if you were a betting man, you could have backed them at 11 to 1 pre match. Um, anyone who did that would probably need their head testing, in <laughs> fairness. But um, a 1 to I mean, a one to 5 shot effectively were, were Norshipping. So I'm sure there are a few burnt fingers on them. Anthony van den Herck scoring a couple of goals for Helsingborg. Uh, you, you profiled him, didn't you, on uh, the Just Football Analytics? This season, um, it was an, an interesting watch. So, I mean, they finished rock bottom. Sorry, no, they didn't finish rock bottom. Falkenberg uh, were below them. So, 15th place for Helsingborg. I mean, heading into uh, the Super Etten, is there much hope for them? Uh, watch this space, I think. There's always, there's always, uh, it's always difficult getting back up, but they are a big club. You know, if their fans are in the stadium by the time we come back next season, you know, then that gives them an advantage straight away because they're a very well supported football club. Um, but yeah, I think a bit like North shopping, I think of course they'll they'll have a lot of players leaving, um, as you do when you when you're relegated. And it's not only players, you know, they've got um staff leaving. The chief scouts left, the board resigned, um, one of the club directors left already. The, they've announced that every board seat will be available. Um, Andreas Granqvist, who's now kind of like you know, their sort of director role, he said that they're gonna start looking for a new manager. Um, and on Anthony Van den Herk, he commented about him because Van den Herk's got a lot of interest now from uh, from other other teams in Osvenskan. He ended up with 11 goals in, in 27 games. I did say on the uh, JF Analytics that I, I model him at about 10 to 12 goals, so bang on on that one, so I was quite happy with that. Um, had a good season, and um, he's got a lot of interest from Osvenskan. I think, you know, Grankovic has said he wants to keep him, but I, I'd be very surprised if he stays in Super Retin, to be honest. Um because he's a, he's a good player and he's he's proven really the Dutchman's proved that he's Osvenskan level, um, but yeah, it's going to be choppy waters I think for Helsingborg the next few months because their their economic situation was always a little bit ropey, and um, you know it's going to going to continue a thing in that sense now that they've gone down even less money, so they're going to have to be creative. But they do have some good youth players, so maybe they can. Casper Waddell is someone who you can look out for, and uh, yeah, they're going to be it's going to be an interesting summer uh, sort of winter ahead for them. It's not been a bad uh, podcast so far for your predictions pre-season, has it? We're uh, we're not at Hammerby yet, mate. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> Get the good ones in. in, in <laughs> that is, a, I would encourage anyone to have a check back. Um, like we just for well analytics on him, a great, uh, good fifteen-minute, twenty-minute video, I think, wasn't it on uh, Van den Herk? It was a, a good watch for sure. Um, we will uh, we'll move on to another match. It was uh, just a. Not much was at stake here. IFK Otterborg two, Sirius Neil. I've got I've got finish twelfth um, in the end and Sirius tenth. I mean they finished well, ten points from the last four matches. IFK Otterborg, um, but I mean a bit too much, too little, too late. Swedish Cup though in the bag as well this season. So ultimately, will this campaign go down as pretty much an all right one? Um. No, I don't think. Well, the problem with the cup is that, of course, you know it's great winning a trophy, and it's always a memorable season. But there was there was no one there to witness it, 
So, you know, in a season with no fans, it's almost like if a, if a bear takes a shit in the woods, does anyone know it actually happened um, type thing? You know, when if no one hears it, if, or if a tree falls in the wood, a tree falls down in the woods, sorry, uh, you know, does anyone know what happened? Um, mixing up my analogies there, but yeah. Um, difficult one for you, of course. Obviously, Poet as Bargi, the whole project that they had, the, the revolution that they had in place to sort of have this new brand of football and, and do really well hasn't quite worked out. Um, you know, he, he left the club and, you know, they were in a bit of a crisis, really, in that in that sense. But it's mad, isn't it? They lost 10 games, the same amount as North Shopping, which really, when you think about it, is just unbelievable. Um, but yeah, the, their problem was 13 draws, yeah, of course. Um, only seven wins, the fewest number of wins of any team that actually didn't get into the, into, into a relegation situation. Um, so finished 12th, you know, it's not it's not what you've called one, is it? This is this is one of the biggest teams in, in, in Sweden, arguably the most popular. So... Um, you know, twelfth is just not, just not good enough. Uh, Roland Nielsen took came in and took the job. He'll have a real job in his hands now to re, to rejuvenate them because um, you know there's a lot of work to be done at EFC really to get them back to where they want to be. Series finished tenth. Now you actually had them down at fifteenth in the preseason podcast, and you you really feared for Sirius. So surely a t- uh, tenth place finish, I would imagine you're quite impressed with. Yeah, I'm impressed with it, but they, they won't be impressed with it. I think um, when we had Mohamed Said on the show, I think they were in the top five. And that was only about a month or so ago, two, two months ago maybe. Um, they're, they're one of their top strikers. So they really fell off at, towards the end of the season. Um, it was a real, they, they were, you know, in that podcast with Mohamed Said, which you can go back and listen to on iTunes or wherever you get your pods. He was talking about qualifying for, for Europe, um, you know, so... The problem for them is, I think pretty much, I'm pretty sure we talked to him the week they beat North Shopping away 2-1, which was in October. They didn't win a single game since for the rest of the season. So uh, a bit of a warning if, you, if you're doing well on <laughs> not spent scan. <laughs> maybe, maybe take a miss when you get the phone call from the Nordic Football Podcast. Cause, uh, <laughs> it looks like a clear case that it kind of down tools a bit, if you know what I mean. Possibly, yeah. I think, I think you know, maybe, maybe well, we can't really answer that, can we? I mean, at the end of the day, you also you, know, you can look at it negatively, but you can look at it positively as well. As I say, I, I didn't think they would do much this season. I, I feared for them, but they really, really stepped up. You know, the um, players like Yuya Sagita, Stefano Vecchia, arguably the best player in the league this season. Vecchia, he's been fantastic. Um, big rumours now linking him to the top clubs in Osvenskan and even move move abroad, maybe to Italy, back to Italy. Um, but uh, yeah, just just tailed off maybe a little bit. Their, their game style, I think, as well. You know, they had a really vibrant entertaining style of play really nice sort of playing between the lines um a lot of dribbles you know they really enjoyed taking a man on progressive passes that kind of thing um i think if i had a theory about it maybe steve i think yeah maybe henrik reestrom did he have maybe was he maybe getting a little bit tired of the job because of course he announced he's leaving now um and he announced that the commute was too much for him you know and he, he said it had taken a bit of a toll and that's why he's not staying which was a massive shock for the whole club so, you know, was there something behind the scenes maybe going on for him personally that, that maybe took away the, the focus slightly? Who knows? But, uh, yeah, it didn't end, you know, season didn't end well losing to EF Core and it in general didn't end well in, in terms of how they played for the last sort of um, seven, eight, nine games. Malmo 4, Ostersund nil was a result in the final game of the season. Ostersund uh, finished the year losing six in a row. They, they started the season losing five of their first eight as well. But uh, good job for them. They had a great mid-season. Um, I mean, Malmo finished on 60 points. 
Uh, they're the champions. But let's talk about Ossersons a bit here because they finish in uh, only one spot above the playoff eventually um, and a worrying end for the for them um, to finish the season. Yeah, well, I think um, I think they'll take it, to be honest. The season they've had. I mean, it, I don't know if you ever watched Dream Team, Steve, you know, the, the classic Sky, uh, Harchester United, but... You know, Austin season is almost like like a dream team series. To be honest, anything that could go wrong went wrong, on and off the pitch. In terms of, you know, just scandals and and financial issues and you know crazy scenarios every every week. There's something new happening. Um, I think ultimately they'll they'll just take stay in Osvenska. And of course, things like the transfer ban. You know, the, the situation with um, with their former player, of course, who's now at Brentford. Um, uh, so. Things like that, really, um, Sam and Godos. So things like that, you know, it was a real, it was a real turbulent season. I think for Ossesons, I think they'll just be happy to to survive and, and and sort of move on from it. If I'm honest. And very sad news coming from that neck of the woods as well recently. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, the, the death of a of a director of theirs um, who passed away in a, in a car accident, um, which is you know absolutely tragic news. And you know, as I say, it, it's just been a really it's been a really turbulent season, I think, for Austin's in general, you know, and that's just a tragic situation. Um, really sad to hear about it. And, you know, their youth academy director was also involved and seriously injured, um, I believe. So, yeah, obviously, you know, my hearts go out to them as well. So, yeah, it's um, really just a sort of season to put, put in the books for Austin's and try to move on from. Yeah, from all of us here at the Nordic Football Podcast, our sincere condolences to everyone affected. At the club and the families and, and, and friends and everyone there. Um, sad to see. For the 13th place finish for Ostersund, they, they lit to fight another day, though, going into next season. Um, anything else to say about Malmo? We, we had a big episode about them recently, but anything just to finalise them this season? Malmo, yeah, champions. I mean, uh, if you go back two episodes and listen to, um, we dedicate a good sort of 40 minutes to them and what they've done well, or you can go on Scout, the Scout blog. We talked about them in, in huge detail. Um, back on their perch, you could say, and um, yeah, fantastic season for Malmo. And uh, let's see how they attack the Champions League next season and uh, and you know their future. The, the one interesting maybe bit of news since that last pod two weeks ago, um, two episodes ago is Yondal Thomas has been linked with Feyenoord, um, who will be looking for a new manager. So maybe watch that space. But um, as long as he stays, they, they they have a decent platform to build on. Uh, Jorgan beat Varberg 1-0 uh, final round uh, they finished fourth in defence of their Alsvenskan crown and Varberg on their promotion uh, finished 11th now uh, yeah, we talked a bit about Varberg didn't we in the last episode but as far as Jorgan are concerned it seems like an inconsistent campaign from them, fourth place is that good, is it bad, is it what people expected? Probably about what was expected overall. I, I thought they, I thought they, um, I think I had them about that in the preseason broadcast. I think I might have had them fourth, third or fourth, maybe. I think third. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so as the season went on, I started to have a bit more faith in them, and I thought maybe they might recover and and, and challenge for sort of top three, uh, top two, maybe even which they did. You know, only three points behind second in the end. Um, but ultimately, it was one of those ones where they they started the season too slowly, a bit like a bit like most of the rest of the league, really. Um, AIK along with them as well. Um, you know, I think they got good management. I think they, I think they figured things out really, and I do still rate their management duo. Um, I think they know what they're doing, but of course, again, ten defeats. You know, that's just too many games to lose if you want to be challenging for for honours. Twelve points behind the 
behind Malmo in the end, which is, you know, they've given up their title, of course, and um, they're going to have to look to, to go again. There's been a few players leaving, like you said, Augustinson, and there'll be a lot of outgoings, I think, this season for your garden. They're going to need a slight a bit of makeup, I think, really, to, to sort of regenerate. Um, you know, all in all, not not really a fantastic season for them. And Rabo give a very good account of themselves in 11th, didn't they? Yeah, they've been brilliant. And I think their recruitments were brilliant as well. That they, They've brought a lot of players from the lower leagues, third division, that kind of thing. And a lot of them have, have adapted very well. We talked about Astrid Salmani last season, one of the best players in the league this season, the striker. <clears throat> a lot of interest in him and I expect him to leave um, you know, during this window and pro- probably go to a bigger club. But they've already been recruiting. I think they've signed one of the top scorers from the third division again this uh, for next season. So we'll be talking about him in the you know in, in the months to come. But um, yeah, they're not going to be spending big, but they'll 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 find players. I think that can 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 do what they want. Keenan Ayer, I think he had a really really good season. The youngster, the young South African, and um, a few others as well. So yeah, really quite impressed with Varberg what they did. And you know maybe no fans benefited them because. They don't really have many fans. In the, they're not a big club. So I think maybe that probably, they would have had one of the lowest attendances if it had been the full season of fans. So maybe that just extra, you know, added reduction of pressure um, maybe played into their hands a little bit. So, uh, yeah, a good season for them. And, you know, they, they stayed up, so they'll go again. Just looking back at your pre-season uh, predictions, you, you had Norship in, in sixth place, Jonathan. So you absolutely nailed that one. And uh, you predicted Urubro in ninth, and they've ended up finishing seventh after beating Hammerby on the final day 2-1. Uh, fair to say Hammerby, who had a bit of the, the JF curse, didn't they, on them this year. Um, the, I think teams are quaking in their boots, aren't they, whoever you predict the title next season. But um, yeah, so seventh place finish for Urubro, which I think, Seems pretty good for them. And uh, Hammerby down in eighth, which is pretty disappointing. Yeah, I think uh, I think I learned a valuable lesson this season. If, if in doubt, go Malmo. Because uh, I, I, I said that I predicted Hammerby because of the Zlatan factor. Of course, he became an investor and a, a shareholder in the club. And there was a lot of strong rumours at that time that he was going to return to the club. Um, but of course, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, 30 being, what is it, 38 now, 37? means nothing to him. He's still banging in the goals in Milan, leading the title challenge for them in Serie A, which is just unbelievable. You know, there was a lot of rumours at that time that he would wind his season, wind his career down, come back to Hammerby and, you know, have a nice little stroll in the, in Osvenskan and, and sort of walk the league. Not, Zlatan's having nothing of it. You know, he once said he could play till he's 50. And uh, who's anyone to question him now? Because he's, you know, just incredible what he's, he's doing. Um, the minute the minute it became clear Zlatan wasn't going back to Hammerby, I think I would have... If I'd have known that, oh, there's no way I'd have predicted them to, to win the league. But, um, yeah, I mean, I got that massively wrong, didn't I, in the end of the day? And I'm not going to be punting that again kind of thing. I'll just stick with Malmo from now on. <laughs> so, uh, it's a mad thing. That they've lost uh, only nine games. Um, I mean, Yoga and Northshipping and Urubro all lost more than them. And uh, Mialmi lost, lost the same amount. It was, it's, it's a real indication that, again, Drawing too many games can actually cost you long term, can't it? Eleven draws out of thirty uh, seems to be their the main problem. Yeah, I think the pandemic. Um, I think the pandemic really hampered Hammerby in the sense that um, I think they had a plan where they'd get to the window, they'd get to the summer with Tankovic. You know, don't forget Tankovic left pretty early, whereas 
if he'd have had the first half of the season, you know, one of their best players. Um, if he'd had longer, maybe he could have done a bit more. But he was always, once the season was delayed and he was on an outgoing contract, I think I think he was distracted. He really, really lost form badly. And, uh, you know, as soon as he went to Greece, he's done quite well in the Europa League. I've seen him popping up, scoring goals. But, you know, he really tailed off at Hammerby. I think maybe it was kind of just like he, he maybe must give it up. Um, maybe didn't want to get injured, that kind of thing, because, you know, he really tailed off and the whole team tailed off. They were awful for first half of the season, you know. Um, and I think that that window maybe just affected them. I, I think it was, I don't think the delay helped them at all. I think they would have wanted to go into it because don't forget last season, they they was, they were the Buddha glimpse of, of Sweden, really. They were banging in goals for fun, you know, breaking all kinds of records for the 30-game season. Um, and I think the delay just didn't help them. It just, it just you know, it just kept, it just dragged on and on and on and on. And I think that didn't benefit Hammerby whatsoever. Started poorly, lost sort of four games quite early doors. Um, but they recovered quite well, really. From the summer on, they've, they've not been too bad. They've, they've ended the season poorly. Um, you know, Varbo beat them 5-2 and they lost their last two games. But but for a while, they got back into it. But uh, yeah, not not really a great season for Hammerby, I think. And they're going to be another one where I would expect a lot of changes this, this season. And I do wonder about their finances a little bit as well, just in the sense of, you know, do they have the funds to really get the top players they're going to need to to go again? Yeah, I think the lack of funds really badly affected them as well. Their home record just went completely. They only won four games out of 15 at home and they were amazing at home previous year, weren't they? Um, Urubro then, uh, final team just to talk about here. Seventh place for them. Pretty decent, yeah? Yeah, and just just just, just pick on what you said there. I think you're, to- you're totally spot on, Stephen. And, and, you know, one thing that, I just want to say on that is that one of the first games of the season, of course, was uh, was Hammerby, Hammerby's first home game was Hammerby's first game of the season was at home and they beat Ostersons two nil, and I remember that game because I was watching Ian Birchnell and um, you know you could hear you could hear like Ian Birchnell and his coaching staff sort of shouting in the stadium and it was really eerie, it was really like kind of you know you could hear the echoes in the stadium there was no one there, and in that massive bowl of a stadium you know it's um, it, I think it was actually almost quite quite weird. And I think for their for their for their team to play without fans, it, it must have been a weird situation because that stadium, when it's full, is rocking. It's a really really atmospheric stadium, Hammerby. You know, and then like you say, they've got really good fans. They bring the fans a lot. So um, <clears throat> yeah, I think the contrast between that and just complete emptiness probably had some effect on their home form. I think. Um, but yeah, in terms of um, the last game, overall, yeah, you know. An okay season, I think. I think they've done quite well. I think Axel Kial has recovered them quite well. I think they. They had a bit of an early part of the season where they were struggling. We talked about it, I think, on one podcast where, you know, expected goals-wise, they were one of the worst teams in the league and they had their, their underlying metrics were quite poor. They managed to bring in some decent sort of players in, 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 the, in, the, in the winter that helped turn it around, um, which I definitely think has, has helped them. Managed to get someone who can score goals a little bit. Nahir Basara came back as well. He hit 12 goals, which was massive. So, um, yeah, all in all... Um, a middling season for Obro, that seventh is about as, as good as it can get for them um, of late. Yeah, I'm convinced that the big supported clubs in this in, in this league have been hit hard, like Hammerby, Ike, or Jurgarten, probably IFK as well, um, maybe Helsingborg even. Um, it's been, they have struggled without the fans, haven't they? No doubt whatsoever. But, um, yeah, and Obro uh, expected goals against where they were the second worst in the league. So, you know, in terms of. Um, in the underlying metrics or or above the world to finish seventh. How many were they expected to concede? Fifty-four point nine seven. Oh, they only conceded forty-one. That's incredible. Yeah. A really good goalkeeper or something. They do have a good goalkeeper, yeah. Oscar Janssen. Mm, yeah. So anyway, we, we are going to talk about the the big uh, 
playoff situation now at the bottom. Yunshiping against Kalmar Super and against Alsvenskan. Kalmar have won the first leg away from home. Three goals to one. Come from behind, actually, in this game. Uh, and it looks like the great escape is is once again right in, in the back for them. Um, interesting to see an ex Booty Glim player scoring there. Gaia Andre Heron with a third goal for them. What did you make of this playoff match? Yeah, well, I watched it and uh, they, um, the Smilelands Derby, they call it, of course, their local rivals, Yon Shopping and Kalmar. And I remember last season, uh, Yon Shopping nearly, uh, in fact, it was, it was, um, I think it was them that relegated from a Poikana. I remember the last game of the season, it was, it went to the, to the wire, um, and they managed to sort of, um, I think they drew with Bromo Poikina, and then that meant that Ike Braga got into, in, got into the promotion playoffs instead of Yon Shopping. And I remember thinking Yon Shopping would be a, a, a tough opponent for Kalmar if they'd have been able to get into it, uh, and they didn't. Um, this season they've got into it. I can't really lie, I haven't seen a huge amount of Yon Shopping in the Super Retin, but um, they were pretty fairly swiftly brushed aside, I thought, by Kalmar in this, in this, um, in this derby. Um, they actually took the lead and started the game really well, looked good. But uh, you have to give massive credit to, to their goalkeeper, Hag Johansson. Um, Kalmar's goalkeeper really pulled out two incredible saves. And one of them was 1-0 down um, to go 2-0 up for, for Jon Shopping, which would have had a completely different complexion on the on the game. Uh, an unbelievable save he made. Um, and from there, Kalmar got back into it. There was an own goal. And then, um, yeah, as you say, Herem <clears throat> as well scored. Uh, and so that was that, really. They got a third as well. And um, kind of wrapped up the game. It's interesting that the um, the same guy scored uh, both ends inside the first eleven minutes. Someone, uh, Kevin Roderblad Lowe, scored opened the scoring in the third minute for Yonchping, and he scored an own goal as the equaliser for Kalmar. Incredible stuff. Uh, Sebastian Ring in the nineteenth minute, Kalmar two one up, and then Harum obviously giving him three one advantage heading into the second leg. Uh, I don't know if away goals count in this. I presume they do. Um, but are Yon Shopping dead? Can they can they potentially come back? Have they got was there any much encouragement for them in this match? Um, or a Kalmar, they've done enough, do you think, to secure themselves survival? Yeah, and, and you're right, and, and you know, it was a header from a corner from low, and then then he sort of just clumsily put it into his own net from a set piece. Um, so he was quite quite potent really, but um and the game really started well. It was you know, Yon Shopping were really up for it. There was a lot of even though there weren't many fans. There was sort of brawls going on. You know, three players were booked in the first five minutes. It was a real kind of um, fiery start to the game. You thought that you, you're in for a classic here. But uh, as soon as Hagi Johansson made that save, Kalmar kind of composed themselves. The own goal helped them a lot. And they kind of just took over from there. In my personal opinion, I think the way the second half played out, you know, Kalmar were quite comfortable. Heron came on, obviously, and scored the third goal. I think I think it's done, <clears throat> if I'm honest. I think Kalmar will fairly comfortably win the, the second leg. Maybe two nil or something like that, and and, and um, see it off. I think they've got good players, and you know they just have that knack of getting out of danger when they need to. So I'd be surprised if Yon Shopping can come back from this. Is that a JF tip, Kalmar? Even money you can back them at to win this second leg against Yon Shopping. Um, is that a, a good bet? Do you think uh, can they get the they'll get the job done? Finish it off. I think they will. Yeah, I think they will. I can't, I, I mean, you never know with Kalmar. But you know, one, I think one thing I've seen in recent weeks from them, you know, when they when they sort of play a defensive game and look to kill off kill off a game, you know, they went to AIK and won one nil and just sort of played defensively and counter attack. 
<clears throat> then they went, then they obviously against Hacken when they needed a point, they were able to grind that point out in that nil nil that we talked about. So I think Yonchop are going to have to really come out all guns blazing. Um, and they did create quite a lot of chances. Like I say, there was two incredible saves. So, you know, you never know, but they're going to, I think they'll need the first goal. You know, I think they'll need an early goal, maybe put on pressure, but um, I lean towards Kalmar. Well, before we finish the podcast, we can't not talk about our uh, man, Sean Constable, who um, has been involved in the playoff match between uh, Bromer Poikin and Trelleborg. Um, right in the fighting, try and get promoted back up to the Super Red and one all for the first leg there for Sean. Uh, and it's all going to go right to the wire, it seems. It is going to go to the wire indeed. And it's a, it's a bit of a shame for Sean because uh, a last minute goal um from Trelleborg got you know got them out of it um unfortunately I couldn't find anywhere to watch this game I really really wanted to watch it and if anyone listening to this finds a stream for the second leg please send it my way because I'm desperate to watch that game um but yeah lovely Oscar Fellaini's free kick he's a really really good player the big links with Bromby I think he'll be leaving in the end of the season obviously playing in the third tier of Sweden he's well above that um but uh yeah you know, you thought, I think that was the 81st minute or so that they got that goal. You thought they're going to get a win and take it to Trelleborg, take it down south. But um, no, uh, a, a late goal just killed it. And, uh, you know, from what I understand with Bromel Poikina, this has happened a lot this season. They just haven't had a, a striker to really kill off the games. And, um, you know, it's going to be a tough ask now going to Trelleborg and having to get a result. It's, it's really all to play for. And uh, the other match, Lance Krona, 2 0 win against Dalkur. That would be a good return for Lance Kroner um, to the Super N. Yeah. Um, anyone who's watched my always in source football manager save from back in the day during lockdown will know <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Lance Kroner boys. But uh, yeah, big win against Dalka. Dalka are in dire straits at the moment. I think they've got real issues and uh, I'd be surprised if they pull that off. So Lance Kroner could well be in the Super Ren next season. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a real turn up. And Dalka again, another team that was in Osvenskan not not too long ago. So yes. yeah. it's a bit of a warning sign for Helsingborg. It can go wrong if you and Falkenberg as well. Yeah. You can go wrong if you don't buck your ideas up. It really is. Anyway, I think we're we're better overrun for this episode. I think we're going to have to call it right there, uh, my friend. But uh, a good episode as always. Enjoyed talking with you, and uh, we'll be back again another day. We will indeed. We've still got, of course, a few more rounds in, in Norway, which we'll talk about. Um, this is the end of season Sweden podcast, so of course it's a little bit longer. Um, we will talk about maybe transfers and things like that in the um, in the coming weeks, but you know, maybe maybe we'll put together a little team of the season as well. But I um, hope that's given a good overview of, of the season in Sweden and, of course, Norway. We've got more action to come, so don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Um, you can also back us on Patreon, patreon.com slash NordicFootballPodcast. And to our patrons, once again, we love you. And um, yeah, it's keep keeping Stephen Pepperami. So he's, he's enjoying a lot of meat uh, from the the Patreon. But uh, no, it's uh, obviously always a pleasure. And thank you for supporting us. And uh, I think that's about it for now. Where where can where can you find us, Steve? Yeah, thanks very much for all the Patreons uh, once again. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MeatmanSucker. You can follow Jonathan on Twitter at JF Football, spelled with a U. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I think that's going to be it for this episode. It's going to be goodbye for me. We'll be back definitely, I think, before the final round of the the uh, Elite Serien. Do a preview of that final round. And, uh, and maybe even a Christmas special going forward. 
<laughs> Quite possibly, yes. And of course, you can always follow us on Twitter at Nordic Football as well um, to get both of us. You'll find us on there as well. And yeah, just before we go, just a big uh, good luck to uh, Bromo Poik and a good luck to Sean Constable in the second leg. And we'll be back to analyse those games as well as Kalmar uh, soon. So I think that's from me and from Steve. Goodbye and thanks for listening. Goodbye.